So we have been talking for a couple months now, working our way through the um, Old Testament, and now we're to the New Testament. Um, so I basically what I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of do a sum up of some things, the books of the Bible, and then we'll move into um, you know an overall uh, talk about the life of Jesus. So. Um, so we'll get, we'll get to the life of Jesus and we're going to kind of weave that in and out, but we're going to start with still kind of some setup and some things about the, the gospels, um, like, like that, you know, in the way that we've been doing. So if you're wanting to know, you know, hear more of what we talked about and how it's all just comes together because you, you know, you need the old and the new Testament and how all those things just weave together. Um, you can go to the church website and, um, click on media and you can go back and you can listen or watch those and uh, catch up on that if you want to. So um, we have talked about the Old Testament. So we went on this timeline here and we talked about, you know, Adam and Eve and the fall and how sin and a curse entered the world um, when Adam and Eve broke faith with God. And then um, God began his rescue plan Um over here with Abraham, and he made a covenant with him. You know, we talked all the way through, and the Israelites, and King David, and God's covenant with King David. And, um, you know, we talked through uh, divided kingdom, and the exile, and then the exiles coming back to um, Judah. And then uh, BJ talked... Um, last week about um, this time here, the 400 years in between the Old and the New Testament. And then we are here at the end of the timeline with Jesus. So um, before I move on to talking about Matthew, um, I just want to talk about a phrase, um, the fullness of time. So um, you're in Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the fullness of time means God's perfect timing. Um, God acting when the time is exactly right. So only God knows why he acts when he does. Um, but here are a few thoughts about why Jesus came when he did instead of coming to Israel, say, a thousand years earlier. So BJ had mentioned that the Law and the Prophets were finally being written down so that more people than just the priests could read them for themselves. People could be passing those on or reading that themselves. And in addition to that, um, God's blessing that was coming needed to spread to the whole world, not just Israel. So when Alexander the Great conquered the Persian Empire, everyone began learning how to read and write in Greek. So now they had a common language. And when Rome conquered um, and became the new big empire, they built roads and uh, connecting every city in their empire. So now travel was much easier than what it was when they had just had muddy dirt roads. And because the Romans wanted peace in their empire, travel was safer than it was previously. You know, there were less bandits and things like that because there was a heavy military presence. So these are all just more pieces to that puzzle about why Jesus came when he did, and that it's it's easier to spread the good news about Jesus um, uh, during that time. 
or after that time. Um, so at the beginning of the New Testament, there's this great expectation. The Jews are waiting for God to act, and they are living under foreign occupation by the Romans, and they're waiting for God to send a deliverer and bring justice to restore Israel to all its glory. So the Romans, uh, they keep the peace, but they rule with a heavy hand and a strong military presence. The Jews pay taxes to Rome and Jews, so the weight of taxation was really heavy. And there were two classes of people, the wealthy and the workman. And uh, tasks for the workmen focused on survival. So tensions, uh, revolt, and rebellion was in the air, and they were rising. So that's kind of what was happening at this time when Jesus came. So uh, just so you have an idea of the area... If you can kind of, if you can see it here, this is what um, uh, the area that was Israel, um, you know, was like. So it was smaller than what we, you know, the last time we looked at it. The area has has shrunk, but um, you know, as we talk about things, it's good to know kind of where things are at. So. Jesus um, is in his adulthood and where he grew up. He's from here in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. This is the Lake of Galilee. So like when he goes out on the boat with, you know, Peter, James and John and the disciples, they're out there on the lake, um, you know, in Sea of Galilee. Um, this is Samaria that we talked about. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So this is Samaria. And then down here is Jerusalem. Here's Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Um, you know, so when we talk about um, when Mary and jo- Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, you know, they traveled all the way down here to Bethlehem. And um, so this just kind of gives you a little bit I have an idea, so I'll kind of go through that. Um, so most of Jesus' ministry and home, and his home was in Nazareth, which was in Galilee. So Samaria was the home of the Samaritans, and we've talked about them before. Um, they were a remnant of the northern kingdom of Israel, but and they were, at this time, they're mingled with other cultures that the Assyrians had lo- relocated there. So the Samaritans were kind of like, um, you know, half... Israel, you know, half blood Israel. They were, they were mixed. And so the Samaritans and Jews were hostile to each other. The Samaritans had their own Pentateuch and they had some distinct edits that favored them. So they had their own priesthood and Jesus crosses cultural and uh, social barriers to reach out and bring the good news of the kingdom of God to the Samaritans. So that kind of gives you, again, just a little view on that um, when you think about the story of the good Samaritan or the Samaritan woman at the well. And I'm going to talk about that. Okay, so now you have kind of the setup of the people and places. Uh, BJ talked about the religious leaders and the divisions in, in that last week. Um, so let's move on to uh, the books of the New Testament. So... There we go. So the New Testament um, can be divided into four parts. Sorry, my hair keeps getting in my face today. I can be divided into four parts. Um, The Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles or Church History, um, Epistles or Letters, um, Prophecy or Revelation. So there's just alternate names for it, but in those four divisions. Um, So today we're going to talk about um, the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John here. And then next week, we are going to try to do everything else and then be done with this series. So 
gospel um, means good news. The books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the gospels. They tell us the good news about what God has done through Jesus and about how God has fulfilled his rescue plan. The gospels are biographical, but they don't tell us the whole story of Jesus's life. So we learn about his birth and we get a glimpse of him when he's about 12. And then it really picks up when he enters ministry um, around the age of 30. So even then, about half of each gospel focuses on the last week of Jesus's life. Each gospel writer had a different audience and focus in mind. They're all looking at the life of Jesus from a different perspective. Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. And synoptic means to see together. So they tell the account of Jesus similarly. So, you know, very, very much alike. So Matthew is the first book. Um, listed in the New Testament. Matthew was a tax collector and he became a disciple of Jesus. Matthew writes for a Jewish audience and he wants them to realize that um, Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises to them. So Jesus' teachings in the book of Matthew can be broken into five parts, also called discourses or blocks. Um, and this is reminiscent of Moses' five books of the law. And Matthew is showing his audience that Jesus fulfills the law of Moses and Jesus is the new lawgiver. Um, Mark is the next book. The Gospel of Mark is possibly written first. Uh, Matthew and Luke seem to use sections of Mark in their Gospel accounts. Uh, Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He was a Christian from Jerusalem that traveled with the Apostle Paul and was friends with the Apostle Peter. And so early church tradition tells us that Mark's Gospel is a collection of Peter's teachings that were arranged and shaped by Mark. Mark was most likely writing to Gentile Christians in Rome, if the word Gentile is new to you, Gentile was the word for anyone that wasn't a Jew. So simply anyone that wasn't a Jew, they were called Gentiles. In the first half of Mark, uh, he wants us to see that Jesus is God's son. And then in the second half, he talks about what that means to be God's son. Um, the next book is Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is written by Luke. And how many times can I say Luke. Luke was a physician and the only Gentile to write a New Testament book. Uh, Luke writes like a historian. He states right away that he has researched the account of Jesus very carefully. Here he is at the beginning of Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants, servants of the word. So he researched things and he made an account. Uh, he shares his he shares his account of Jesus interacting um, with children and women and those that were outcast or marginalized. So Luke's goal is to let his readers know that Jesus is the Savior for all people. Luke also wrote the book of Acts and about the history of the early church. So altogether, Luke wrote about one quarter of the New Testament. So those are the synoptic gospels. The, oh, I didn't finish reading that verse before, but that's okay. Um, uh, 
The next gospel book is John, um, and it's written a bit differently. John was one of Jesus's closest disciples. Uh, he John doesn't use any of Mark's gospel to write his account, and John focuses on who Jesus said he was. Um, he really focuses on the meaning of the events of Jesus' life, even more than what happened. He's focusing on the meaning. So he writes to show us that Jesus was fully man and fully God, and he shares several accounts that show Jesus' humanity, like fatigue, hunger, hunger, thirst, suffering. And these are human experiences, and yet Jesus was fully God. So Jesus uh, says... Uh, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. So, you know, Jesus is saying here, he's using the name I am, the same thing that God had told Moses. And so, you know, he's saying, I am, I am God. So fully human, fully man. The emphasis of John's gospel is on salvation as life, um, life abundant, true life, the life we were meant for, John says that Jesus is the giver of life. So John gives his purpose for writing his account um, towards the end of the book. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the book of John is almost divided into two sections. The first half is the miracles and life of Jesus, and the second half is the night before Jesus dies, his death, and resurrection. So that's some of the background on the gospel books and authors, and these authors were stating that Jesus was the Messiah, even though he looked different than what was expected, and that in Jesus all of God's promises came true. So... We're going to move on and now talk more about the life of our amazing Savior, Jesus. So the account of Jesus' birth is told in the books of Matthew and Luke. Jesus was born to a virgin named Mary, and he was raised by Mary and Joseph. I'm not going to dwell on that long because we just talked about that at Christmas. Um, but um, if, if you're not familiar with that, I'm happy to answer questions and point you in the right direction. Mark and John don't talk about his birth, um, but they start with Jesus as an adult. Matthew's book starts with a genealogy that traces Jesus all the way back to Abraham. And between Abraham um, and Jesus is King David. So from the start, Matthew is connecting Jesus with the Old Testament covenants that God made with Abraham and David. Um, about the blessing and savior for the whole world that would rule forever. So all four gospels talk about John the Baptist. John was a relative of Jesus and he was the first prophet to speak to the Jews in a long time. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After he, 
After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John's clothing was like that of Elijah and other prophets. His um, food and clothing were visual protests against self-indulgent. Indulgence and John the Baptist is preparing people's hearts for the coming of Jesus. He's getting them ready for the Savior that's about to, to come. And uh, he's telling them to turn from their sin and return to God. And as a sign of repentance, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So Jesus was about 30 years old when he went to John to be baptized. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. So um, this is the, the first time here that we see, you know, the Trinity coming together, the father, son, and the Holy Spirit coming together at this moment. Um, at the baptism of Jesus. After his baptism, uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And the devil proceeds to tempt Jesus to take the easy way out. Like the servant tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, Jesus is tempted in the in the desert. And the devil is saying, don't trust God, trust me, I have a better way. And Jesus uses God's own words from the Old Testament to respond to the devil. He resists the devil who then leaves him until there's a better time to tempt him. After Jesus is tempted, he goes back to his home in Galilee, and he begins to speak about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's sometimes called either one. He states that the time is fulfilled and that the kingdom of God is at hand. So remember that the Old Testament is about a physical kingdom of Israel, and the New Testament is about the spiritual kingdom of God. And um, this new kingdom is open to anyone ever, anywhere, not just Israel. Jesus has many followers or disciples, but he chooses 12 to be his closest disciples. Um, the people were amazed at this teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So Jesus explains to people, um, he's explaining to people what the prophets mean. He's um, teaching them the law like he has authority because he is God. And people think that this is strange and yet wonderful. Um, Jesus started healing people. And uh, suddenly Jesus was surrounded by a large crowd of people. And that attracts the attention of the Pharisees. And remember, they are concerned about the rules, and they wonder who this new guy is and why he isn't following all the rules. So they follow Jesus around, trying to trap him in blasphemy or with tricky questions. Uh, the Pharisees go to the Sadducees, and they warn them that there may be a new troublemaker around. And the Sadducees, um, they're the temple leaders, and they work with Rome to keep things peaceful amongst the Jews. So the religious leaders are all kind of keeping an eye on him, worried that trouble might be 
be stirred up. So Jesus keeps traveling throughout the region, teaching and healing and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. He tells parables that teach about the kingdom of God, and he explains how we should live in his kingdom. He calms the storm, showing that he has authority over nature. He feeds more than 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, showing that he can create abundance out of little. He brings people back to life, showing that he has authority over death and sickness. And he also tells people that their sins are forgiven. Jesus shows that he has the authority to set things right. He shows us that the world is what the world is supposed to be like and what the world was like before sin entered in. There was no sickness, hunger, death, or lack before Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus is showing us what God's kingdom is like. Jesus takes time away with to teach his disciples. He prays, he prepares them for when he is gone. And he has this conversation. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus tells them not to tell anyone who he is because it wasn't time yet. Uh, Jesus knew that the crowds didn't understand who the Messiah was going to be. And uh, they thought that he was going to be, the Messiah was going to be a king like David and that he would deliver them from the Romans and make them, make Israel a strong nation again. And so even though the prophet said that the Messiah would die for their sins, they thought that the new kingdom of God would be like the old kingdom of Israel. So the time comes for the Passover celebration. It's a whole week set aside for the Jews to remember how God delivered them from death by the blood of a perfect lamb and um, deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And uh, today is actually the last day of Passover um, for 2021. Um, so it's awesome how that is together today. Um so many Jews came to Jerusalem for the Passover, and this is where we get the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Um, that's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, which was last week. And uh, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he um, uh, people spread their cloaks out on the road before him and waved palm branches, and they said, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And a lot of them still thought he was going to be just a king like David. On the day that the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed, Jesus and his disciples gathered for the Passover meal. He tells them that one of the twelve will betray him. They talk amongst themselves wondering which one it will be. And this is where Jesus makes a new covenant. And... Um, this is what we celebrate when we have communion together, like today. So Jesus was telling them that he is the Passover lamb, that he would die so that we may live, that his blood would take away sin and death and the curse from everyone. And the blood of Jesus is the new covenant, the blessing for the whole world. So the whole Bible 
is pointing to these couple days. Like everything in the Old Testament, everything that we learn later on about, you know, how to um, live our life in Jesus, like everything points back to this time right here. Um, Jesus goes to the garden and he prays for strength um, as he knows that his death is coming and he needs strength. Um, and Jesus is choosing to die for us. The disciple Judas betrays Jesus and Jesus goes on trial before the high priests and the religious leaders. Um, they can't put anyone to death. So they um, take him before the governor um, whose name is Pilate. Sorry, I lost my place on here. Um, Pilate. Pilate can't find any reason to put Jesus to death, um, but the religious leaders stir up the crowd and they call for Jesus to be crucified. The same crowd that was shouting Hosanna just a few days before was shouting crucify. Pilate has Jesus flogged, whipped. Um, the soldiers mock him and beat him and put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus has to then carry his heavy cross before they nail him to it, and he must hang there until he dies. Most of his disciples are gone. John, Jesus' mother, and a few other women were there as he was crucified. And I forgot to put this verse up, so I'm just going to read it. Um, As Jesus hung there, it was now about the sixth hour, And darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And that was Luke 23, 44-46. So the curtain was split, signifying that the division between us and God was no more. And Jesus hung there on the cross with the stain of all of our sin on him. Jesus died with all of our sin on him. The punishment for all that sin was death away from God. Jesus took the punishment for my sin, and he took the punishment for your sin. The punishment that we deserved for our past sins and for our future sins. He died alone, away from God, so that we wouldn't have to. But praise God, that's not the end. Jesus was laid in a tomb, and early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the other linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Jesus is the Lamb of God that saves us from the stain of sin that keeps us from getting close to God. He saves us from the power of sin that tempts us every day. And eventually when he returns, he will save us from the presence of sin. And I missed a verse. One moment. I'm going to back up. After this, Jesus appeared to his disciples and um, and to many others. And he told them about what was to come next. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So Jesus gives us true life, the life we were meant for. This was God's rescue plan. Uh, All those years from Adam and Eve to Abraham to David, and then in the fullness of time to Jesus, God kept his promises and brought us Jesus, a savior and a blessing for the whole world. So if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you still aren't sure what that means, but you're curious to know more about his blessing, this blessing that God sent for the world, um, I would love to pray with you, um, or one of the other pastoral team people can pray with you. Um, if you're watching uh, online, if you want to message or call, we'd be happy to pray with you. And, um, and if you are wanting to be baptized, if you accepted Jesus as your savior and, but you haven't been baptized or you're baptized as an infant, but would like to make that declaration, um, as an adult, please talk with us as well. And I'm here afterwards, but, um, praise God, Jesus is alive. And that's what we celebrate today. And just, it's been really neat going through all of this with the Old Testament for myself and just how it all ties together and how it just all came and God had this plan that he's weaved through all the way to this 
to this moment. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for choosing to die for us, for teaching us what the kingdom of God is like before you died. Thank you for taking our sin on yourself. Thank you for overcoming death and the curse, for raising again, for coming to life to give us life, to give us wholeness in you. We thank you for your love, Lord, and we look forward to the day when you come again. And we love you. Show us, Lord, how to show that love to others. And you are good. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen.